Terrence Malick. I think he's a completely fucking retard. He makes the worst movies. Radio Drome. Welcome to a very special episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil, kind of, you'll see later. And Peter is back this week. Yes, yes I am, and uh, I'm kind of getting over a cold as well, so I might sound a bit weirder than usual. He was all hopped up on cough syrup last week. Oh, yeah. If you guys want to get hopped up on something, you go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free power O-ring, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Cecil's not going to be here, but he was here earlier. We sat and interviewed last week, Cecil and I interviewed Uwe Boll. Because with Uwe quitting the film industry, I thought this was a good time to revisit and talk to the man again. And he's very open about everything. It's a great interview, so you'll hear Cecil as part of that. But he couldn't make it here tonight due to concerns literally at his home. His home is being has some construction done, so he can't be at his computer. Peter is here. Let's talk a little bit about Uwe Boll. Peter, what do you think about Uwe Boll quitting film? Do you think this is a loss or about time? I think it's a loss, uh, especially since his his movies had been becoming a, a lot bigger and more ambitious in scale. The Rampage movies were great. Uh, Assault on Wall Street was awesome, and I was expecting more in in line with uh, with films like that because he he started out very. I don't want to say small, but kind of small. Like, they were just sort of video game adaptation movies that were kind of fun. They were sort of dumb. And then he sort of started to build up his movies in, in a grander scale. We started to see some really nice original stuff. Like, I really enjoyed C as a slasher movie. I thought that was a cool movie. I really loved the Rampage movies. And again, Assault on Wall Street was, was very cool, very ambitious, very smart, very good uh, social satire, social commentary movie. So I, I think it's definitely a loss. I agree. He's been sticking his finger in the eye of the system for the last five or so years. The system doesn't like it. And I'm not just trying to, oh man, he's fucking the system. No, I mean, seriously, you look at how he's made his movies, how he's financed them, and especially the message of the films he's put out in the last five years. They are all a strict and very blunt fuck you to mainstream Hollywood. If he hadn't I mean, I have to admit, I, I've, I've talked to the guy a few times. I think he's a fantastic guy. He really tanked his own career early on by making all those bad video game movies. He really just, he, he, he made people prejudice against him so they wouldn't even give any of the movies that came later, the good stuff, the post-Far Cry movies. He, they wouldn't give those a chance because his name had become poison. 
the first time I ever heard about Uwe Boll was through House of the Dead, which I think a lot of people did. Automatically, it was considered to be like this. Oh, it's so bad that it's it's amazing. It's just so horrible. It's nothing like the video game. It's just so stupid. And a, and a lot of people would get together and and sort of watch his movies that way. Uh, and, and along with the the Blood Rain movies, and then you know Far Cry would come out. Like I'm personally not a fan of the House of the Dead movie and the Blood Rain movie. And for the reason being is because they're they're kind of just lazy. They're not that great. They're obviously not constructed with a lot of love or passion. I think they're even Bull himself. I think would admit that they were cash ins. I still liked some of his like random video game movies. I actually find Postal to be a really fun uh, action comedy satire sort of movie. I I still. I think I feel like it captured the the video game perfectly because the video game itself is one of the most politically incorrect things ever. So I I thought it was actually really well done. It was one of his few video game movies that actually did capture the heart of the game, possibly because maybe he was actually a fan of it. I don't know because because the Blood Rain ones were kind of dull. House of the Dead was. I can't even hate House of the Dead. Like, it, it was so stupid that it did kind of end up just being fun. Like, it, it is one of those movies you just sort of sit around and laugh at with your friends. But he did sort of uh, poison his own his own films in that way because he did make so many of those. And it's unfortunate because that's what people kind of know him as. And when I first saw Rampage and I was so blown away by how awesome it was, not even just for an Uwe Boll movie, but just as a movie itself, it was so good. And I had to kind of tiptoe around when I would uh, introduce my friends to the movies is I would kind of not tell them that it was Uwe Boll. I would just bring it over and just be like, it's, it's a really, it's this really great, you know, social political satire kind of movie and it's really gruesome and really savage and it really paints such a dark picture of uh you know humanity and society but it does it so well and it orchestrates it so perfectly and i i did that i avoided the the uve bull mention so that the anybody who i showed the movie to could kind of realize that for themselves that uve bull isn't as bad as they thought and they they kind of have that holy shit this is uve bull moment like i i liked uh i liked it when people would would have that, that moment it's uh i, I kind of like doing the same thing with michael bay because there's a lot of people who hate on michael bay and they'll be like hey have you seen this movie pain and gain it's uh it's one of the one of the ones i've really really enjoyed in recent time we should check it out and then people go holy shit that was michael bay and it's like yeah you know it's it's kind of uh fun to watch people get surprised that way but um unfortunately yeah uve did kind of sully his own name I don't think he necessarily did because prior to, I mean, we all, we, most people think House of the Dead, that's the first Uwe Boll film. No, it wasn't. He made seven films in Germany and then two in America before House of the Dead. Blackwoods Ooh. is a backwoods Texas Chainsaw Massacre style family hunting a yuppie who wronged them years ago and it's kind of a mind warp kind of movie. And Heart of America mm. is essentially Columbine the movie in only a couple of years after Columbine where a couple of bullied kids have enough put on their trench coats and gone up their school. Heart of America and mm. Blackwoods were both prior to House of the Dead and they both got pretty good reviews actually. And then House of the Dead huh. comes out, and then the man's name is Poison. And it's like, okay, House of the Dead's a bad movie. I won't try and debate that. It's not a career-killing movie. It shouldn't be anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, what you did it, with hiding Uwe Boll's name is unfortunately what you have to do. I had to convince my girlfriend to watch Assault on Wall Street for almost a couple of weeks because she was like, oh, God, Uwe Boll, I can't sit through another in the name of the king <laughs> or Blood Rain. And I'm like, no, 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 this is different Uwe Boll. And then I, I, I sat her down and we watched it and she loved it. 
The man has gotten so much better. He's become a true filmmaker. I mean, there are very few, there are very few filmmakers out there who would have made the Auschwitz movie he did, or the Dafur movie that he did, or a movie like Assault on Wall Street. Assault on Wall Street, as he'll say in the interview, is what Wall Street 2 should have been. Or, uh, or just a sequel to, the proper sequel to, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Like, you can watch those two in succession, and Assault on Wall Street is everything that should happen, uh, to people like Jordan Belfort. And then, in all honesty, the Rampage movies, I think, actually one-up political incorrectness of Postal. Although Postal was a satire, the Rampage movies are there to fucking piss you off. President Down to come out in an election year, especially this election year? That is one of the biggest middle fingers that there could be. I still need to need to see that one. I'm actually I'm glad because I was hearing that he was not even going to release it for whatever reason and now that it's uh it's come out I'm pretty happy about that. I'm going to be checking that out. Well, we're going to go to the interview real quick. Like I said, Peter had to work the day of the interview, so he wasn't there for the interview, but Cecil was. So Cecil and I talked to Uve for about 40 minutes. So listen to that and then Peter and I'll be back. The the, the first question would be, why are you deciding to quit film now when Arguably, you've made the best films of your career in the last five or so years. Why, why quit now? I mean, Rampage, Three, Assault on Wall Street, you've, you've made some of the best films you have. Why now? Yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it was a slow death, right? So it's not like a spontaneous decision. It really grew in the last few years based on uh, the way the market turned. But as a producer, it's just like a, a, a horrific trade-off with the dissolve of DVDs and Blu-rays and going everything uh, online, basically, because uh, you don't make any money on movies. And, and I don't mean like getting rich from movies. I mean like not losing money on, on movies. And the last few years, all the best movies I did were all like personally driven movies, political motivated movies, subject matters I was really interested in. And, and I'm really, I would love to keep going, but the financial situation in the market is just impossible to keep making movies. And after my longer career with over 30 movies uh, in, in budgets of, you know, and I'm ending now on a movie like Rampage uh, President Down, what, what was under a million dollars to shoot. But in between, I did $20 million movies like Blood Rain and, and Far Cry and Alone in the Dark and a $60 million movie was in the name of the king. Even Postal was over $10 million. I just cannot go back to film school and make movies now for 100000 bucks. It's just like uh, uh, impossible. And, and as I said, the last few years, I'm still trying to recoup the money. It's, it's just really bad. Like in early years, on, in a block, let's say on Blockbuster, you had a good rental deal. Uh, you could make out of US alone 800,000 out of Blockbuster. There is no Blockbuster anymore. And like Netflix gives you 60, 70,000 dollars. So, I mean, with what you, 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 you exchange that, right? And, and DVDs now like Best Buy, Walmart, they all don't have that big DVD sections anymore. They shrink down and they only sell basically uh, the big Blockbuster. So, uh, for smaller movies, they basically have them only online. So you have to look for Rampage President down, and then you order it at Walmart. But if you go into a Walmart, it's just not standing there on the shelf. And so going to the markets also, the AFM started today, the American Film Market in Los Angeles started today, and it's the first time in 15 years I'm not there. I, I looked at it last year, the year before, and you sit there and you sell a movie for $1,000 
to India for $2,000 to Hong Kong for like 1500 bucks to Scandinavia. It's just a total downward spiral, as Bill Williamson would say, to the end. So, and it, it's just like, it's unaffordable. It was a really long frustration process, and, and um, it's, it's just over. I don't know how the other guys doing it, uh, if it's all subsidized, or is it uh, whatever, black money, or Chinese money, or whatever, I don't know. But, but it's for me, if, if you make a $1 million movie, you will make 200000 bucks back. So it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. Now that uh, you know you are retiring uh, from directing movies, are you going to continue to try to produce? I mean, I know you produce and direct, but are you going to try to produce? Or are you going to try to do something else? I mean, what are you you know what are you doing going forward? You no, know, the only thing what I keep doing is other filmmakers' movies we sell them. So I have also a sales uh, agent in LA right now at the market. Uh, I'm still looking out for movies, what other people shooting, and we sell them worldwide for them, and uh, also as a service for other producers, directors, who got screwed over from distribution companies, like me before, you know? So if you just give your movie to a sales agent who tries to survive on the income he makes with your movie, they're all steal. They're all like, whatever, sell your movie with a total shitty movie together, and but the shitty movie they own, and they get all the revenues. So they go to the to the buyers, for example, and say, look, I have the two movies for you. If you uh, give me 20 grand, I'll sell you both movies. And then they allocate $18,000 to their movie and $2,000 to the movie you gave to them. So, you know, like, the, that are all the tricks I, I learned in the business. And uh, uh, the only reason I was able so long to make keep making movies is that we basically sold the movies on our own. There was no middleman anymore between me and the Hong Kong distributor, the, the Thailand distributor, the Brazil distributor. So, and, and over the last 10 years, I got a lot of contacts. I think we have 1,200 buyers we made contracts with over 10 years. So, worldwide... I know who buys movies in Brazil and in Argentina or Mexico or whatever and who is full of shit and who will never buy your movie or whatever. So that, that is an expertise I, I want to bring in uh, uh, also in the future. Look, I would love to come back as a director and make movies again, but the market situation has to completely change. All companies like Netflix should stop paying tons of money for shit, like the Adam Sandler movies as an example. Uh, what they finance. They were the worst Adam Sandler movies I think made in history. You know, and, and they give him 30 million to make movies like The Cop Law or that stupid Western he did. And, and, uh, I mean, why is that not coming to me and say, look, we want something like Rampage or Southern Wall Street maybe as a TV show. I would be totally happy to do it if, if they pay the bill. And I think I'm very good in producing movies for looking good for not a lot of money. But nobody ever came to me. Nobody offered that to me. For this, I was maybe my whole career too much of an outsider and uh, sitting here in Vancouver and not in Los Angeles. Uh, um, you know, that is maybe one of the reasons that it was always on me to finance the movies on my own. You know, when everybody said, oh, you have so much freedom. No, I mean, of course, I can't. I could make the movies the way I wanted. But the fight to make that movies, to get that movies done, was like horrific. You know, it was not like... I mean, other people that just have producers, they do all the shit work, and I always had to do everything on my own. That is, that was a good thing. I learned a lot, but it was also a bad thing because uh, it's a very frustration, uh, a fr fr frustrating period to get a movie done. Do you think that that your career has 
in the last, I'll say, 10 years, you've kind of had a fuck you attitude towards it towards the system, which is one of the things I love. I mean, a film like Assault on Wall Street is not a studio film. Rampage 3 is is kind of a fuck you to the entire system, and that's why I love it. Do you think that that might be why you're kind of an outsider, because they don't like that you're shaking the system up? Absolutely. I, I think it's it's uh, everything what comes from the studios or mini-studios, whatever, the Snowden movie from Oliver Stone. Or look at Wall Street 2 from Oliver Stone, what was completely crap. It, they, they missed the point in their movies. It all looks like they are so, let, let's say, uh, critical, but it's all BS. Because critical means to say, why the fuck Snowden has to stay in Russia? Because the West would put him lifelong in jail. That he couldn't take the bullshit anymore. And look at this, that we have a completely observation of every single person 24-7. I mean, without Stone, we all wouldn't know till today what the NSA is doing with everybody worldwide. And we also know, uh, because of Snowden, that it's not to catch terrorists. It's to gather information about everybody so they can blackmail them when they want. That is the reality. A lot of things as economic reasons, political power reasons. Who knows how many people they shut up over the last 10 years? We never heard about it because they pulled out porn videos, whatever, like shit like this against private people to, to get rid of them in the political uh, process. I mean, if, if you see now the, the, the campaign, both candidates are dirty, uh, like, like both candidates are almost criminals. Let's face it, right? Trump is a scumbag, he is crazy, he never paid taxes, he uses every loophole, uh, uh, he filed for bankruptcy seven, eight times, that Clinton, by, by lobbyists, by Wall Street, she will not do anything what Bernie Sanders said she will. You know, Bernie Sanders is still under that illusion, he endorses her now, that Clinton will do anything from his campaign, like controlling the banks or whatever, no fracking, Nothing will get done under Clinton because she's she's basically almost a, a, a right wing, to be honest. You know, so and and uh, I, I think we sh- we see the ugly face of what's going on. And I think in Rampage, what Bill Williamson said is is that is basically the sad truth we're living in. We are the idiots, and and uh, they're laughing all the way to the bank. And uh, it's all about the money. Everything is about uh, is, is about the money. And uh, when when he says so radical, that is the nice thing. If you, if you make a movie, you don't have you can be radical. You can say radical things. And when he says we have to kill the rich, we have to rip Washington apart. That is in reality that is the truth because they will not give it up with an election because they will change the elections. They will buy the elections. They will cheat at the elections. They will not vote ballots to. Only keep the rich in the end in power. And the only reason that there are two parties is because they have different lobbyists. You, you can pick. You want you want the uh, uh, Silicon Valley, Wall Street, chemical industry, power, the media uh, companies. Then then you're more democratic. If if, if you want more oil and and fossil uh, stuff and and uh, uh, big machines, airplanes, military stuff is basically uh, the gun lobbies and everything, then, then you're more Republican. But you can basically pick who, pay, who, who, who buys you. If, no, if nobody buys you, you will not get in any power position in the U.S. And I mean, and, and that is the thing I think what I try to show in that absurd 
like in a, not absurd in, in 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 the things what Bill Williamson says and and also in the Soul on Wall Street. I when I did the Soul on Wall Street, I did the I talked to the general manager of Deutsche Bank New York in investor relations, and he said like on the peak where the investment banking was booming. He spent around five hundred thousand bucks a month on his credit card, like uncontrolled, like whatever restaurants, bars, karaoke, whatever. It was it was exactly like World of Street, like exactly like this. And he said there were like five thousand other guys in New York. They made the same thing like him. So add that money up. Now you know how much money like Wall Street is stealing and burning. And they laugh it, you know, when they're getting fired because they completely failed in their jobs, they still get 10 or 20 million severance packages for completely stealing, cheating, and, and being, being a completely failure in your job. Like, okay, you are like a fucking prick asshole, we have to throw you out, but because you're our buddy and you are in the club of the rich, here are 10 million bucks. It, it, it is absolutely ridiculous, and that is the world we, we, we're living in. And as a, one last example, look at the Wells Fargo scandal, right? So the CEO, they say, you, to 5,000 employees of Wells Fargo, you now basically create checking accounts for customers if they want it or not, and we charge them 10 bucks a month, and they don't even know that they have the checking accounts, and we just hope that they're not getting it, that they actually don't have one checking account. Every customer now has five checking accounts. So we make 50 bucks on them every month and multiplied with 5,000 people and 50,000 people, you know, like was it in the end three, four, five billion bucks the Wells Fargo stole from their customers. And what happened? He throwed out all that, all that cashiers and all the people they did that, what he said to do. And then in the very, very end, he had to go. So he resigned. And he said, okay, I don't take my severance package. Nobody takes $190 million away from him. He already made as a CEO from Wells Fargo. I mean, if I have $190 million bucks in my pocket, uh, I can say, okay, you know what? I don't want my $50 million for walking away. And I mean, it, it, it's, so, it's so unbelievable. That are the real problems we're facing every day. And if you see then the presidential campaign, they're talking about what pussies they're fucking or what emails they have on what, I mean, everything, what, what is that election about is completely absurd. It has nothing to do with the real problems we need to attack. And it's so frustrating. To swing this back to movies a little bit, have you yeah. seen that Harry Shearer is suing for This Is Spinal Tap, claiming that in 30 years it's only made $68 in profit? Isn't that kind of the same thing you were talking about, but the movie industry version? Absolutely. That is also the other thing. It's like they cheat you out of your revenues or out of your royalties. Perfect example is if you're a music composer, the GEMA and ASCAP, they collect for you royalties around the globe. If the movie of whatever, Jessica DeRoy, my composer, she makes every year on my movies 50,000, in royalties because the TV stations, whatever, they pay automatically to the composers. As a director, writer, and producer of my movies, I collect per year worldwide 3000 bucks, And the composer makes 50000 because we are not protected by anybody. There is no uh, 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 like real collection uh, behind it. It's, it's, completely be, uh, it's completely absurd. So, I, I mean, I made 30 movies. They are sold each in like 100 countries, and they're running there in TV, whatever, cable, and so, and I get in total around 3,000 bucks a month, uh, a year as royalties. 
of course, like with Fox or Universal, I still have contracts with their accounting. But a movie like Blood Rain, if I get an accounting from Universal on it, I get around four, five hundred dollars semi-annual, like like two times a year, like five hundred bucks. <laughs> so you know, and then it's, it's just like, yeah, and they say, oh, they were like, they're always charging costs against it. You know, you have like whatever you would get four thousand bucks, but but they charge you three thousand five hundred bucks for new packaging, shipping whatever, creating a new HDMI special file for Hulu. So in the very end, you get basically also pennies. The, who makes money are all that in-between companies who doesn't go in the risk to pay the movie. So they didn't pay the movie, but then they they distributing it, and then they're taking all the money away from you. That is the reason the major studios still making money. I mean, look at the, the most movies of the major studios right now. Don't make any money. They lose money. But they have tons and tons and thousands and thousands of movies in distribution. Not only movies they produce, also movies from third-party producers like me. And they, they're making worldwide revenues. And they, for example, sell the movies to their own TV station for a low price. So the profit happens in the TV station, not in the, in the books, for, so, so that they don't have to uh, pay a lot of money to the producers. One of the things I wanted to say, uh, initially, when you first came on the scene, the first movie I saw of yours was House of the Dead. And I have to admit, I was not a fan. I'd seen your other movies after that, and I just was kind of baffled by them. Recently, with your moving away from the video game movies and uh, doing things like Rampage and Assault on Wall Street, you've really turned me around. And listening to you in interviews, I really appreciated your honesty. And this is tying into what we were talking about just a minute ago, where you were saying about how you know the crooked politicians and all that stuff are. With movies like Assault on Wall Street and Rampage, I think a lot of people would be a lot more interested in watching them if they knew, like, the quality of stuff that you're putting out. Because I've had so many people, uh, my fans, that have been emailing me and messaging me, and, oh, have you seen Uwe Boll is, uh, is you know, quitting directing, and he's not going to, you know, aren't you happy? And I'm like, no, I'm not happy, <laughs> because he's improved exponentially. He's gotten so much better at, at this. He's been making some genuinely good films, and I think the majority of people are still you know, looking at a lot of your back catalog and aren't really looking at the, the quality of the stuff that you've done more recently. But you are the minority. You actually watched my other movies. And and, and, and they are not. And I, I saw that when I went this summer in Germany on tour with Rampage 3. I went to like 15 movies here across 15 different cities. And because I said it's my last movie, I got more press as I would get normally. And a lot of bigger newspapers also wrote even a half page about me quitting. You saw in every single article that guys never saw a movie from me after Far Cry. And they all wrote, like, he got the golden raspberry. He got whatever. People say he was the worst director ever. Blah, 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 blah. And and so you felt like when you read that stuff, okay, that guy's never watched Tunnel Rats, Dafur, Rampage 1, 2, 3, Sound of Wall Street, Auschwitz, I don't think they even watch Postal, you know, like so, and it's, it's basically this kind of way you feel, okay, you know what, it was also not worth it, because it's just, it's, it's just like you work your ass off, and then you have, like, the majority of the people, even professional reviewers, professional film critics, they absolutely didn't watch anything. They just Wikipedia me, and, and, uh, Google, whatever it is, and then they write something together, 
And then they say, oh yeah, I watched the Lord in the Dark, I remember. What a piece of shit. And then, and then they feel confident enough to write about my whole career, about my whole life, basically, to wrap it up on half a page without uh, any, like even acknowledging uh, anything. I remember also when I was in Hamburg, uh, for example, I had two press guys that interviewed me, and then before the movie starts, they walked away. They said, yo, we only wanted to interview you. I said, why you didn't watch the movie, for example? Oh yeah, we have to uh, uh, deliver the article tomorrow, blah, 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 and... And I said, yeah, because you think that you watched 10 years ago, whatever, Blood Rain, that is enough to judge me. Would you do that to Tom Tikva, to the Wachowski brothers, to Terrence Malick, you know, who only made shit after they started with two or three good movies, and then they they shooting the biggest crap movies ever, but they're getting only real reviews and real good critics for, like, for their lifetime. And I, in my case, I started with a lot of video game-based movies and got very bad reviews. But after it, I think I made seven or eight good movies. That is more as a lot of directors do in their whole lifetime. And I didn't get any credit for it. For nothing. And I said, if, if that is the world we're living in, okay, that is, is okay. And do write the article you want and uh, fuck yourself, basically. It's totally absurd. You think, like, what, what the fuck? I mean, what, what is that? You know, I mean, that is, that is also, but it shows also kind of a stupidity. It's like some people are so pre, they want to be fans of somebody because they like a movie. Let's say the Wachowski Brothers, Matrix 1 was a masterpiece and it was an excellent movie and it was really good. And the one they did before Bound with Gina Gershwin or whatever was good too, like the little movies they did. But look what happens. Then they got all the money they wanted. And since then, they're just basically a freak show with one stupid idea after the other. You know, a Jupiter Ascending is unwatchable, what I personally feel. But, but it, but, or I hate it. I think Speed Racers even did that or whatever. So, but it does not. Or Terrence Malick. I think he's a completely fucking retard. He makes the worst movies. I like the Sin Red Line. That was the last thing from him you can actually watch without taking drugs. You know, like when I really feel like I don't know if you if you have to put LSD in you to enjoy his movies, but that movies are embarrassments for storytelling, and they show also how stupid Hollywood A-list actors are, like the Ben Affleck and every he gets always like that superstars playing for him because oh I want to work with Terrence Malick because he did Badlands like 40 years ago, you know, and it's completely BS. That movies are like absolutely bullshit. There is no story. There is no poesy. I mean, I can also put a 70 millimeter optic in front of a 35 millimeter camera and film a butterfly, you know, and say, oh my God, now Ball is the most poetic director of all times. No, I think Terrence Malick has no fucking clue what he's doing, is a total retard, cannot make movies, and his movies are so boring, storyless crap, nothing else. Most of the people would, oh my God, you cannot say this. The good thing is I can say it because I don't care, but... Uh, also, as a reviewer, you should say that about his movies because it's a fact, you know, and I'm really watching everything. I mean, I watched maybe 20,000 movies in my lifetime. I watched everything, and I think I can kindly judge what is crap and what is bullshit or what has something where you feel like, okay, there is something in it, uh, uh, even if it's like a long, stretched-out story and and uh, stuff like this. But in Terrence Malick movies, is nothing. Maybe it makes it want to make money. I don't know. Well, then let me ask you this. Do you think that that the critic bias, which I think is is absolutely there, 
puts you in a no-win situation. For instance, like, I remember when Assault on Wall Street came out. I thought the movie was paced properly because we got to see why the assault happened and why this man became what he became. But a lot of the critics said, well, the assault doesn't even happen until the last 20 minutes and the rest of it's just boring character stuff. Now, on the other hand, if you had just started with a bunch of violence, they would have said, oh, it's just mindless violence and nobody knows why it's happening. Are you kind of in a no-win situation with critics? Absolutely. I totally agree with what you just said. It's exactly what happened. As soon as I do something what is way earlier violent, it's just a violent, typical ball, ultra-violent stuff, like Rampage 1. In the South of Wall Street, for me, it was very important to give the drama a chance, to make it also so hard to not agree with him. Because, that, of course, that, that was the main discussion is, Uwe, are you pro-self-justice? Are you actually, you want that somebody goes out against the bank and shoots the bankers? Is that what you wanted with the movie? So, and then for me, I think if I wouldn't show the whole downfall with the suicide of the wife, so that guy lost everything. Now he sees the bankers after 2008, 2009, 2010, they recovered, make the same money. And he can pick, I'm now a homeless uh, uh, guy, or maybe I turn into a Starbucks barista and still will never pay my debt back. I mean, from his perspective, that he goes after them, I can totally understand it and have absolutely sympathy. And for me, it's kind of also like absurd. Look how many people run Dumbok in America in the last 10 years, for whatever reasons. I mean, just craziness and... and uh, but. 6,000 people did suicide in after foreclosures of their houses in the, in the 2008 and aftermath, basically. 6,000. 4 million people lost their homes. And not one guy went to Wall Street and shot some people in the head. That, I, I, I actually don't get that. It doesn't make any sense for me. You know, like the people getting shot for the, the most stupid reasons uh, uh, and almost no reasons in schools and whatever discourse for religious reasons and all kinds of shit. But here, there was a real reason to do a real revolt and to go and just basically like 5,000 people go with baseball sticks and just hammering the Goldman Sachs, Sachs uh, head office into pummel it into a, like a pulp office, basically. So, but nothing happened ever. I totally don't get it. In, in that specific case, I agree. I understand that he what he did, to be honest. What you want, like you want to be a loser and you want to be just being a homeless guy on a corner and the, the people that did that to you running around and bragging and saying, yeah, one year I made almost no money, but now I make a million bucks again. And they tanked all your money. They never gave you any money. I, I have full sympathy for for him, what, what he is doing uh, in the South of Wall Street. And I think also that a lot of bankers actually, they deserved maybe not to die, but if they don't get prosecuted for the crimes they did, they at least deserves that, that they have fear. You know, that they're waking up in the morning and think like, fuck it. Just watch us on Wall Street. Hopefully I'm not getting shot from a guy like him. So, you know, like, like I think that is a good thing on a movie like a on Wall Street. If you can make some people scared that they may be getting shot, it's already the first step in the right direction. 
the current crop of movies, the, the more personal movies that you've been doing, like I was saying, the quality has gone up exponentially because you, I have, you know, I feel that you put a lot more of yourself into them. You, they were a lot more emotionally driven. So many of the movies that you're known for are the video game movies. Why did you keep making the game movies uh, when you really wanted to be doing, you know, movies like uh, Assault on Wall Street and Rampage? Yeah, I mean, you have to see uh, the, the background. I did first three, my first three movies in, in America were Sanctimony, Blackwoods, and then Heart of America. Heart of America was about the little, little school shooting. And Elizabeth Moss from West Wing and Mad Men uh, played her first part uh, in, in my movie. So, and it totally tanked. Then I got the House of the Dead movie and it totally made a lot of money. And I had in Germany my investment funds where, where uh, every investor told me like, oh, I forget all the other movies now. You, we give you only money if you uh, make video game based movies. And that is the reason it came to that four years period where I shot like one after the other because look, I'm a director, I'm a producer and I'm not subsidized. I'm not an art house film, filmmaker. So for me, it was like, I have to do uh, where the money is. I have to go where the money is. So, and, and that is the reason I could do Alone in the Dark Blood Rain in the name of the King, Postal, Far Cry. But I tried to buy games that are different. They are not the same genre. Because I would be bored to do Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, you know, like, uh, uh, or Underworld. So I always try to do different genres, like a Blood Rain with the vampires and in the name of the King, a little more like this kind of, uh, Lord of the Rings style and, and, uh, so I tried to the best that I enjoy making the movies and I actually enjoyed making all of the, the movies, but I got also the worst reviews of my life. Uh, I got tainted and I, I got like that, that hate wave. Then 2005 in Germany, the investment funds, uh, got canceled by the government. So people who invested in the film funds couldn't write, uh, uh, investments, uh, down from the taxes. So it was now 100% risk for the investors to invest in movies, and that was the completely end of it. Nobody invested anymore. And uh, if you think about it, German money to Hollywood was 30 billion bucks in five years. Huge money. Rush Hour, Mission Impossible, Lord of the Rings, all financed with German money. And I was the only filmmaker who actually got some money because I made commercial movies that you could sell them worldwide. And even like Alone in the Dark or Blood Rain, they didn't uh, make money uh, theatrical uh, in most of the territories. But on DVD at that point, they made over 20, 30 million bucks. So they were like massive on DVD uh, uh, and, and TV, cable, and so on. So, and then 2005, it was all over. After this, I did only Blood Rain 2, Blood Rain 3, and in the name of King 2 and 3. Because I could make money with that movies based on the sales of the first ones, I could go to the buyers and say, look, I make a cheaper one, second part, but give me 400,000, give me 500,000. So I could make money with that. That is the reason I did Blood Rain 2 and 3 and King uh, 2 and 3. And all the other movies were more like my political, personal movies. I, I think it's a shame with you leaving, especially because I just showed my girlfriend Assault on Wall Street for the first time, and she loved it. And... That movie is so set up for a sequel, and I was kind of hoping that would turn into, like, Rampage, where we'd get a couple more sequels to Assault, and I'm kind of disappointed we're not going to now. Yeah, I know, and it, because it's, it's impossible to finance it, it's a shame. Dominic Purcell would be all over it. He loved that, and he, I also just recently read a review 
from somebody from Southern Wall Street, and uh, he totally trashes Dominic Purcell as he has no face impressions. He's so stoic. He doesn't show emotions. And I totally disagree. I, I think he totally he plays that guy like a tough guy. But you see in various scenes the emotions just coming out of him. I mean, the, the same. They would never write that about Robert De Niro. You know, who 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 would play a lot of parts. He did uh, the same. Uh, you know, where you don't see the big emotions, but the big emotions are there. And I think Dominic Purcell did in the South of Wall Street actually the best acting of his career. When the wife dies, when the funeral of the wife is, the the whole lead up where where he where he's still trying to to save his existence and his life when he gets fired by the job. You know, like uh, I mean, I I think he did an excellent job. I mean, I don't know what that reviewer want, like a whiny little bitch or what, like, you know, like somebody who just cries all the time. I mean, I, I totally don't get it. But that is the thing, as, as you said, I cannot win. No matter what I did, I just cannot win. Even if I have clear, uh, like, facts on my side, they're getting ignored. But I had discussions, like I said, like, why why Oliver Stone's Wall Street 2 was even in the movie theaters? There is nothing in Wall Street 2 what shows that the system is corrupt and that the system broke 2008 in the bylaws. But it was the official uh, movie about the bailouts. No, it was not. It was completely bullshit. It was a personal father-son story between Gia LaBeouf and, 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 and Michael Douglas. And it was like way worse. Like the first Wall Street is one of my favorite movies. And I love Oliver Stone's early movies. I mean, there are tons of Oliver Stone movies that are my absolutely favorites of the last 30 years, from Born on Force of July Platoon, Wall Street, Salvador. He did tons of movies. I love. But the last, whatever, starting with Alexander, I think he's completely lost it. And I don't know what the fuck he's doing, actually. I think he's doing the opposite from the movies he did when he was younger. And and they are all harmless little, like, side plot movies. In interviews, he's still very, very sharp. But in his movies, not. I didn't get any, like, real... Uh, exposure with Saul and Wall Street and Wall Street 2 got a lot of exposure and I think uh, uh, Saul and Wall Street is, is the way better movie. It's just way better. In Back in 2006 when you had the boxing match with all of the uh, like blogger reviewers, that must have just been incredibly cathartic for you to get that out because I know uh, that you you already were a trained boxer and being able to go in and just take that aggression out it had to feel pretty good. Yes, it was it was very good. I mean, it was a lot of work to set it all up. Also, there I couldn't win, right? So because uh, two of the four guys later said, and then everybody wrote about it. I promised not to hit them. I was uh, uh, it was all a show. I mean, what the fuck? Find in the internet how I how I said what I want to do, right? I said I want to fucking kill you in the ring. Come to Vancouver. I invite you. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like, and, and to say I, I promise not to hit them is, is so absurd. They had to sign a waiver. They got the mouse protection thing made when they were there. You know, like, stuff like this. Why you do all of this if you say then I'm dancing around you and I don't do anything? I mean, it's it's completely absurd. And the whole, what you said, catharsis out of it was, of course, to do it for real. That is the thing. It's um, it's it's all uh, whatever to do that. that make me look bad. But I think the, that doku about me, the Raging Ball doku, shows it kind of fair and good, and you see a little the background of everything, that that uh, it was A, not fake, and B, it was like a, a stunt. 
you know, but it was a good one because I felt like it's time to to drag some of that bloggers out of the out of the internet in the real world and bring them to to Vancouver and and uh, uh, and confront them directly. And I think that that was a good thing. A lot of directors are very jealous. <laughs> you know, and said, like, I would love to do this, but I cannot box, or I would love to do it, but uh, now you did it. <laughs> and now, now it doesn't make any sense anymore. Do you think Michael Bay would wish he could do that? But I would actually wish that Michael Bay would get his ex-wife by a friend. <laughs> it would be actually fun if he actually would like completely get like pummeled. The dispute with Michael Bay was basically The Rock or some movies from Michael Bay, Bad Boys 1 and so on. I'm not a totally Michael Bay hater, but with the starting Transformers, I think he moved away from any kind of filmmaking. I have to say, like, I just watched that Benghazi movie from him. And, uh, I don't know if you watched that, the, the, where they attacked, like, the way he said he makes now a political controversial movie about the attack on the embassy in, in Benghazi, the, where, where they want to try Hillary Clinton to be the whole time in the, uh, in that scandal. I forgot the name. You remember the name? 13 hours, I think. Yes, 13 hours or whatever. So then, but you see basically like, that is again typical Michael Bay. You see basically like 10 Navy SEALs who just for one and a half hours kill hundreds and hundreds of black guys attacking the embassy. But they cannot save it because it's just overwhelming. There are too many people. And then in the very end, one of that Navy SEAL guys dies and it's the biggest deal ever, right? You know, and that is the thing what I think that and that shows two things, because if you Wikipedia or Google the Benghazi thing, there were only 20 dead people total. So A, he faked history, and you think they actually killed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of attackers, but it's totally bullshit. It was way smaller, the fight, as it is in the movie. That is the one thing. And if you if you make something what is part of history, you should be a little more accurate about it. You cannot make just... Uh, only because you're Michael Bay, you make another bad boys action movie out of it. So that is the one thing. But the other thing what shows it too, uh, and that is what I criticized uh, in American politics since Postal, is any like American dad counts 500 times more as like some horde of black guys. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's really like, the, you know, like as an audience, when you watch the movie, you feel like, oh my God, now the guy got actually shot. But before that, you see two hours how they're running around and shooting and fighting, and by poor accident, nobody got shot the whole time. You see like 300 uh, 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 attackers with with AK-47s, like shooting the shit out of the embassy, and only one guy gets hurt, and then of course the consul dies, and the, the other guy who, who actually does, three guys died because they burned down the, the consulate, so they died because of the fire. But it shows like uh, that absurdity. And I think that is that is the biggest uh, uh, my biggest problem with with America in in general. What what that election process also <laughs> coming back to the election pulled so much out is this kind of they think they have to interfere with any other with all the other countries with the whole world. Most of the time, that is just dead wrong. And on that on that point, I'm uh, by the way very much Republican on on that point of view. I think that you just have to let the other countries be. And if there is time, you don't need the CIA to counter-operative and give people weapons and to, to make wrong enemies. They did it in Afghanistan, and now Afghanistan hates America. They did it in the Middle East, and now everybody hates America in the Middle East. And they always 
do the wrong thing instead of staying out of it. If, if in, a, in a country like Libya, if the people don't want Gaddafi anymore, they will take him over and finally do a revolution. And they don't need America to do that revolution five years earlier as it maybe would happen without America. And then, because then what happens is the wrong people getting the, the, the weapons, they overturn Gaddafi, and then Libya turns into exactly what it is right now, ultra-Muslim American-hating disaster. And it was all done by the Arab Spring, by CAA, helping the wrong people doing a revolution. And, and that, that is, I mean, it's historically basically proven that in the Middle East, almost every turnaround, every, every political revolution was done with, with CIA help. And every single time it ended the same in completely chaos, thousands and thousands of dead people that the new emperor, the new dictator or the new party uh, rules has only one big enemy, America. And, and I mean, like, how many, how many situations like this you want? Before you finally say, fuck it, why we spend all that money? And that, because that is, the, that is of course, the, the main point why I think that Trump don't want to do it anymore. Because he thinks, what the fuck are we doing? I mean, we're we discussing uh, uh, how can we finance healthcare? You know, how can we finance schools? How can we finance, uh, uh, finance universities? But on the other hand, we're we giving more money away for a completely crazy war, a war machine outside of America as we, as we would need to fix all the problems. College and schools could be completely free in America if you would cut the military budget in half. A final message to our listeners and to your fans and your haters out there. Do you have a final message? No, but I mean, if you want that I come back at one point and uh, maybe a few thousand bucks can write to Netflix. We want an Uberball TV show. Or, you know, I don't know, but it's like if there are Uberball fans and if uh, people, <clears throat> as you said, like Mr. Saul of Wall Street, Darfur Rampage, uh, if, if you think uh, 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 that there were good movies, maybe maybe one of the new players in the market could reevaluate and say, why not having doing uh, Uberball, an Uberball show? I mean, there's so many good good subject matters. Like the Bundy uh, standoff, for example, you know the military guys like from the South who uh, who just got acquitted. Like there are a lot of, you know, like you, you could do a TV show about domestic terrorism, stuff like this. I mean, there's all stuff where I think I could dig in deeper as maybe other directors and also make it a little more radical, bringing a little more points to the surface where where. Uh, maybe other channels would be would be scared about, but what Netflix or whatever. I love Narcos, for example, it's a great show. And uh, of course, we all love Breaking Bad. We all love House of Cards. So uh, why why not? So you tend to when you've watched as much Uwe Boll films as we have, you tend to notice certain things that come up in his films a lot, especially the post Far Cry. I mean, he was still doing video game movies technically through 2014, but not the way we think of them. One of the one of the first things you notice is he has a very hyper-realistic style. He doesn't go for stylized lighting. I don't want to say point-and-shoot director because it's more complicated than that, but he is a very stylized director with his kind of very dystopian's not the right word, but all of his films look dirty, don't they? Yeah, um, and I really enjoy that about uh, a lot of them. It works in certain movies 
than it does in others. Like it works really well in the seed and it works really well in the rampage movies and an assault on wall street, especially in the rampage ones with that sort of the, the scenes where it's kind of almost like a first person shooter where, you know, the, the guys running around shooting everybody in the streets and stuff. Fun fact too, that movie, the, the first rampage at least was uh, filmed in my neighborhood, uh, in Surrey, British Columbia, which uh, I'm pretty proud at. I've, uh, I've eaten at the, at the chicken place uh, near the beginning of the movie. So that was actually pretty cool to see. Uh, but I, I do think that Uwe definitely has, uh, I guess it's like other filmmakers have used the style, but he uses it to his own advantages and he uses it to, to really, really, really spotlight what the movie is about. And it works really well for, you know, a dirty, gritty movie like Rampage and Assault on Wall Street to, to have that sort of stark, very real, very gritty look to it. It, it really, really works to the effect of those movies, I think. Another thing you notice about Uwe Boll films is he, he has cast members that he keeps coming back to. Mm. You'll see Michael Pere and Clint Howard and Brendan Fletcher in numerous films of his. Like, when you see a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, you know it's going to have at least this this name of, like, 12 different actors that are all going to have some role in it. You you, mm. you know this. There are certain directors that you always know certain some actor is going to be in this, and Uwe has his own cadre as well. And I think yeah. that's, a, that's another cool thing is, like, always, okay, what role is Brendan Fletcher going to get? Oh, okay, he's, he's in this, and oh, he's this, and oh, he's this, and I, I, I know... He, he worked numerous times with like Eddie Furlong. He was going to work with Dominic Purcell again because he wanted to make an assault on Wall Street too, but with him quitting now, which I guess we should talk about that a oh. little bit. He's basically quitting because the industry has changed so much. As you heard in that interview, he can't make money anymore and finding financing is ridiculous. Yet, as he'd put it, Michael Bay gets half a billion dollars to make a stupid Transformers movie. He can't get a million dollars to make an assault on Wall Street sequel. It's mm-hmm. kind of a sad statement. It is, and especially when a lot of the actors that he showcases in his movies are kind of B uh, grade or Z grade guys that aren't getting a lot of in mainstream movies, and they, they deserve to because I really like Dominic Parcell. I, I feel like his his role in Assault on Wall Street was really great. And uh, who's the the Rampage guy? Is that that's Brendan Fletcher or is that somebody yeah. else? Brendan Fletcher has been in. He was in Heart of America. He was in Alone in the Dark. Um, mm-hmm. he was, he was, I think he was in Postal. He was in obviously all the Rampage movies. He was yeah. in one of the, one of the Blood Rain sequels. And I think he was in one of the, in the, in the name of the King sequels. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ube's used him a lot. And he, and it's really great to see him use him because I feel like Brendan Fletcher is a really underrated actor and he showcases a, a lot of the acting ability we should be seeing, seeing him do in mainstream movies in Uve's movies. Like he is amazing in the, the Rampage movies. Well, I haven't seen the third one yet, but one and two, he shows so much depth and so much gravity in those performances that this guy should be getting in TV or movies or whatever. Like dude's a fucking powerhouse in my opinion as an actor. And it's so cool that Uve has has used him and other more kind of, you know, CB, even guys like uh Michael Pere and also he was in Assault on Wall Street. He was the guy that was helping sell with a bit of his finances. Edward uh, Furlong. Edward Furlong and Eric Roberts. He uses Eric Roberts too. At least he did an Assault on Wall Street. Another guy who deserves to be getting a lot more work in Hollywood. If you, if you listen to the Assault on Wall Street commentary, he won't be using Eric Roberts anymore. He said Eric was incredibly oh. difficult, couldn't remember his lines, and had to read off cue cards. So That's he, he, was not, he would not be using Eric Roberts again. Oh, it's still cool to see 
Like I, I always enjoy seeing his performances, and I think he's a talented actor. And yeah, Edward Furlong put in a really good performance in Assault on Wall Street as well. It's uh, cool to see him trust, uh, at least give a shot to to some of the, the former Hollywood stars. Like Edward Furlong has obviously had a lot of problems with you know drugs and alcohol and domestic abuse it seems like with monica kina and i think he was able to actually utilize it really well in assault on wall street he put in a really good performance and it looks like he's maybe cleaning himself up a little bit which i'm really happy to see because i i really like edward furlong and i'd like to see him succeed and clean up because the kid had such an awesome start in hollywood like it was his first movie terminator 2 and then shit everything down the drain unfortunately and i think he's got a lot of talent and i'd really like to see him pull himself up by his bootstraps and it's unfortunate that uve's re- retiring because we might have seen uh edward and a few other you know a few of other uh uve's more sort of ambitious bigger movies and it's uh unfortunate to to see him retire well and one of the things i'm going to miss the most about uve being gone is he was one of the few people that that didn't play the hollywood game he didn't play the open secret game he didn't play the i need to be nice i might this executive might green light my next movie watch any of his youtube rants he doesn't give a fuck does he yeah no he doesn't give any fucks uh he he played uh he played to the sounds of his own of his own tune he made what the kind of movies he wanted to make if he wanted to make a cash in he made a cash in if he wanted to make a true passion project like the rampage movies or assault on wall street he did that always sort of respected him as a filmmaker i was was never one of those people who just slandered him based on the fact that he made you know cheap or shitty movies if one of the few true exploitation filmmakers like he's our generation's bruno Mattai, in my opinion and that's something really special we don't have a lot of uh filmmakers like that anymore and that's another reason why it really sucks to see him go he's one of the few people making actual exploitation not homage exploitation he's really making those kinds of movies whether it be it's like the video game ones or really dark, violent movies like the Rampage movies and Assault on Wall Street. He was one of those kind of filmmakers, one of those, you know, little shoebox filmmakers that used the ambitious and, and wanted to be something different, didn't want to be what Hollywood was, you know, very, uh, very much in the tomb was or the earlier Fulci or or Bruno Mattai kind of movies like he he was that for this generation. And that's another reason it really sucks to see him go. I hope he changes his mind and, and comes back. You know, you never know. He, he very well might. He's been compared to Ed Wood a lot. People mean that in a negative way. I say he should take that in a positive way. Because what is the thing yeah. Ed Wood is most known about? Being super passionate about film. It's clear. Yeah. Even from listening to that interview, look at how many times he brought up other movies that other people's movies that he's watched. He watches film. He loves film. Mm-hmm. So, and you can I mean, tell. the whole, oh, he's our modern generation's Ed Wood. Well, first of all, the whole Ed Wood thing's a whole nother discussion because while Ed Wood was a bad filmmaker, he wasn't. We'll, we'll do that a whole in another episode, but I don't <laughs> think calling, I don't think calling Uwe, uh, Ed Wood is, I don't think Comparing Uve to Ed Wood is necessarily a bad thing. So there. No, it's not an not an insult at all. If anything, it's a compliment because Ed Wood was extremely creative with minuscule budgets. Like he he had almost he he would just he wouldn't use permits. He would borrow props from this studio and that studio, use stock footage, piece together movies in, in the most creative way possible with the lack of money he had. He cut nothing from his scripts. He would make exactly the kind of movie he wanted to make regardless of its budget. So comparing someone a filmmaker to Ed Wood, in my opinion, is an extreme compliment because it means you're telling you're telling that filmmaker and and describing that filmmaker as an extremely creative individual 
I'm going to say goodbye to Uwe Boll. I hope he comes back, but I'm glad I got to talk to him at least one more time. Peter, where can people find you if they wish to? Gushing about uh, Uwe's types of movies and uh, probably Uwe Boll himself at some point if I ever get off my ass and make another video on uh, Twitter at Cinematica, on YouTube, The Cinemasochist, on Facebook, The Cinemasochist, on 1201beyond.com, and on the thegrindhousechannel.com. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Uwe Boll is a great filmmaker, and you really should check out all of the movies he's made past 2009. You won't be disappointed. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.